Hello, my praying people. I am so glad that you have come back this week for the episode where we're going to talk about our fifth of our five smooth stones with um, Jackie Garner of The Pastor's Wife Life and Diane Nix of Contagious Joy for Him. What a joy it has been to partner with these two amazing pastor's wives who not only serve as pastor's wives, but also who have a ministry of serving pastor's wives. So if you're a pastor's wife and you are a listener of the Prayer Clinic podcast, I want to encourage you to check out Diane Nix at Contagious Joy for Him and Jackie Garner at the Pastor's Wife Life podcast. Um, or maybe it's a pastor's wife. I don't know. It gets so confusing. I stumble over my words sometimes. But anyway, if you're not a pastor's wife, but you have a pastor's wife, I want to encourage you to just share this podcast with them so that they can uh, get to know Jackie and Diane and get to hear this really great um, summer series that we have done on spiritual warfare and on how God has given us everything we need to execute the win that is already ours. So you're going to enjoy this, the fifth of our five smooth stones. I hope that you'll hang around after. I got a few more things to share with you. Welcome back to our sixth session on spiritual warfare in the summer series. That has been so good. I don't know about you, Diane and Leanne, but I'm getting tremendous feedback on this series. People are loving it. We are too. I'm getting it. I know. I love it. I'm loving it. Um, I can't believe we're already to the fifth stone though. And I know coming close to the, to the end of the series, Mm -hmm. but, um, I, this this stone is I don't want to say it's my favorite or the most important but it kind of is I guess I get excited <laughs> I, was, I was really excited I, like, I've been waiting for this one so okay Leanne wrote the book mm-hmm. uh so this is not a fair question for her but Diane can you can you list off these stones that we've already done Ooh. oh yeah I knew you were gonna do that to me right <laughs> off. I even thought about it at the very beginning of the as I was saying amen when I was praying I thought I gotta know these stones, I gotta know I gotta my know stones. so here we go the stone of contentment was our first stone yeah. the stone of confidence hmm. is our second stone the mm-hmm. stone of uh, perseverance mm-hmm. is the third stone the stone of faith is the fourth stone and the stone of intimacy with God is the fifth stone, which we're talking about today. Did I do it? Good job. Good job. job. I actually couldn't remember the the fourth one, which is the, was the most recent one we recorded. So that doesn't even make any sense, but well, we've been living a lot of life in between that stone and today. So that's that's true. That's true. (laughs) And I, when I did my introduction, for the uh, stone of uh, confidence, I was I was getting them all out of order. You even named them in order, Diane. I think I introduced I the stone of perseverance, and then we uh, played the podcast for the stone of confidence. So my <laughs> listeners are all confused. But <laughs> but well, that how was... many years ago did you write this book? 
Ah, it's been 10, 11 years ago. Oh, wow. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And look at the There's been a lot of life in between in. those A lot stones. of life in between. Yeah. It's okay. And I yeah. think that yeah. the, it's not so much the order, except for this recording purposes, <laughs> that we right. use these stones, but that we mm -hmm. use them as arsenals and arrows or in our, in our, uh, our weapon, weaponry again in spiritual yes. warfare that we realize that foundationally these could be there there we can find them but we don't have like these are not spelled out in scripture that we have to have these to live out but i think they're good standards for us and good uh weaponry and tools as we've already as i've already said just for us mm -hmm. to have and to consider as we battle the enemy every single day and mm -hmm. To just go on the front side of this, I would just like to reiterate what we've said at the beginning. We're not saying um, that there's a devil behind every bush because I've said to you all, and I think I've said this in the podcast, <coughs> they don't have to hide behind the bush and they're not. It's in a different realm. We are in a spiritual battle every single day. And that battle ebbs and flows. It's an in and out. It's intense at times. And then it's, it's like a distraction at times. And so it's good for us to remember that it's, we're not telling you or even speaking to you as giving these stones about spiritual warfare, that you're going to be out in this all out hellish war battle every single day, having to duke it out. And um, I just wanted to say that I've, I've wanted to say that to our listeners, because I think we get we call everything spiritual warfare and the devil gets blamed for a lot of things that he has nothing to do with. Sometimes it's flesh and then he loves to use our flesh. <clears throat> and then sometimes I think God gets blamed for some things he didn't have anything to do with either. So it wasn't just <laughs> Well, Diane, I think it's just an overall awareness of um, spiritual reality and how spiritual reality Absolutely. impacts our lives. And I honestly believe that um, there's a, there's a sense in our in our culture today where people are more aware of spiritual reality, and Absolutely. in that way, because there's so much more of a sensitivity to it, there there um, seems to be even um, more undeniable evidence, you know, of spiritual things going on. And so that's why I well, think it's yeah. really important for those of us who are um, soldiers in the army that is already victorious. That's what we have to remember. When we yeah. got on team Lord Jesus Christ, we are the ones who are victorious. And so for me, the passion is for the church of the living Lord to recognize that we are girded for battle. He's given us all the armor that we need. We read that in Ephesians chapter six, and we are here to advance the kingdom by, by actually exercising all that God has given us um, uh, on the, uh, on the platforms of our lives so that the forces of darkness can be pushed back. So it's not to me, the more I think about and teach about and talk about spiritual warfare, the less scary it gets. And the more of a sense of, um, adventure it begins to be, especially well, when we wrap ourselves for us up. to realize that, uh, mm -hmm. there are going to be times that we are, are afraid mm -hmm. because, you better be afraid of a rattlesnake. You know what I'm saying? It's that in that, in that sense, in that sense, right. That you are aware, you're wary, you are wise about how to handle this situation and you are not blinded 
are blindsided by the fact of the lack of knowledge of uh, mm-hmm. and understanding that there is a spiritual realm around us and mm-hmm. that he is not for us even in our victorious end he wants to stumble and cause us to stumble at in the midst of our journey so that we are focused not on the king of kings and the lord of lords but we're focused on all the stuff he loves to cause and rhetoric and and all Mm -hmm. the junk around us Mm -hmm. so sometimes it's like snap i guess what i meant by the the beginning statement is sometimes it's like swatting at gnats Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then sometimes you got a wasp yeah, that's right. <laughs> Who's out to get you? <clears throat> well, let's talk about this stone of contentment, Jackie. You think? Let's um, the well, stone, stone of con- uh, not contentment. Look at me. I'm like Jackie's. Like, no, we've already talked about the stone of contentment. We, well, we let's talk about this stone. About of- but if you want to talk about that, we will talk about it. <laughs> no, Whatever you want to talk that. about. <laughs> My head was saying intimacy, and my mouth was saying contentment. Totally so I. I want to talk about intimacy because really this, um, this, this, this stone is like the capstone of all of it. Right. And, um, I'll just say this one thing and then I want one of y'all to talk about what the stronghold is. But, um, years ago, someone said that the word intimacy sounds like in to me, see into me, see. And when you think about any intimate relationship that you have, um, isn't it intimate because you've allowed that person to see you, the real you, not the you that shows up and puts on the happy face, but the real you. And you've let your guard down and you've trusted them enough to share your, your innermost thoughts, desires, you know, fears, uh, dreams, those things. And people that you can share that way with are your intimate friends. And so this stone of intimacy um, is the, the into me see that we develop with the Lord God Almighty and the relationship that we get to have that is um, way more than surface level and way more than just a soldier answering to the commander in chief. It's more of um, a, a very sweet come alongside. If I were home today, I would show y'all a picture that hangs in front of my office desk at home. And it's the, it's a, a fabric picture of Jesus sitting on a rock and a little boy or a child just nestled up with his hands on Jesus's lap and just looking into Jesus's face and Jesus looking at him. And it's such a beautiful picture to me of intimacy. It's how I feel when I, when I come into my, my secret place, my quiet time, and I connect with God in an intimate level. So I love that Leanne. I love, love, love that. So Jackie, Tell us what we've talked about for the stronghold. Do you remember that? What's the enemy of this intimacy with God? I absolutely remember it because I wrote it down. And, and this is something I know as pastors wives, we've all seen because the stronghold that we're talking about that comes against this intimacy is religion. Absolutely. And some people are going to hear that and say, oh, is, isn't that the same thing? No, it's not the same thing. There's, there's a big difference between religion and relationship with the Lord. It's just drastically different. And I know a lot of 
um, conflict in churches is kind of centers around this, that stronghold rising up in place of, of a relationship with God. So, well, think about Pharisees. I don't think that Pharisees started off to be bad guys, but they were so religious about, and so dutiful about their duties of their religious duties, that their religious duties and their religious activity uh, became corrupt because they missed Jesus. They, they put up in their own head doing good things, what the Messiah was going to look like. And he didn't, he didn't make, meet any of their expectations, did he? Yeah, right. They didn't even uh, recognize him when he was right there with them because they were so even when he did his miracles, there. they called him a Beelzebub. Remember that? They called right. him a right, right. And so what we're talking about today is that intimacy with God is when you and I, like you just said, I was thinking he already sees me. So me, so he already knows and sees the real me because he made me. So he knows me even better than I know myself. So the issue for us that might be listening to this is that some, um, um, much of what we're speaking to are ministry wives, but then Leanne has this whole group of prayer warriors. You're leading women and uh, men uh, in prayer at your churches. You're leaders, you're leaders. And so what we're dealing with is the fact that sometimes what happens with us at leaders is we get so busy in doing the things for God we forget our time, our intimacy with God, where we give him time to say, this is what I'm seeing. And we already, we come into agreement with him and we say, what, tell me what you see. Tell me, reaffirm in me what you see. It is, I want to know you. I want to know you, not my, my not, not my activities, not my good activities. So I've been challenged this summer by a friend to get a posture for the Lord. Oh, man, has that been hard? Have y'all ever had to do that to find a, no, uh, I mean, what are you uh, talking about exactly? Well, she has challenged me to find a place of sit posture. What is your summer posture? Is it rest Mm. or play or clarity or building? Mm. And then secondly, what's keeping us from learning, leaning in and acquiring that posture. And thirdly, what's, what, what does your attention physically and what needs your t- attention and what uh, then what needs my uh, externally, physically, and then what needs your t- attention internally and what yeah. can I skip on purpose? And I think what happens to us mm-hmm. when we're dealing with intimacy, what she's doing for me right there by doing all of those three or four things is she is saying, I challenge you for intimacy because intimacy is purposeful. To be intimate with the Lord. I mean, one of the things I know about you, Leanne, uh, I was, we were at doing a retreat at your little laughing place up in the mountains. And the first time that I saw you as I would get up, start breakfast and I would go, where's Leanne? Oh, she took off somewhere (laughs) because you got a way to get intimate with your father. And you learned that even through some of this, writing this book, this book that we're referencing through these five smooth stones you know how to get still before the Lord and you're a busy woman, but intimacy is us getting still before the Lord saying, I'm going to agree with you. What you see about me, you into me. See, is that right? Is that what, is that the analogy Uh into Uh me? See, Uh 
And mm-hmm. you invite to be intimate with the Lord is to invite him to speak what he already sees. Right. And it's us being still so that we can then, God opens up his heart as well and says, I am inviting you to see me as well. And it's, it's, it's showing up with just as much interest in seeing him as he sees us. And this is what intimacy does. Um, when David, you know, the five smooth stones comes from the story of David and Goliath. And when he would sit as a shepherd boy and just spend hours, you know, not always was he rescuing sheep from the lion's mouth for the right. his ordinary days. He's just watching them graze and taking care of them. And while he's doing that, he's playing his harp and he's writing his prayers and he's just spending sweet time with the Lord. And so when he showed up on that battlefield that day, he was sitting in a completely different place than where all the Israelite soldiers were sitting. You see, he had been sitting in the lap of God. He had this intimate relationship with God that was the culmination of just day after day after day, spending time with the Lord. And so when he showed up, he didn't see a giant. He saw and audacity to rise up against the Lord God Almighty. And so he saw Goliath as something that needed to be removed for the glory of the Lord, for the name of the Lord. He saw Goliath as much smaller. The Israelites saw Goliath as large. David saw Goliath as small. And it's because of David's intimacy with God that he was so much closer to God that he saw Goliath the way God saw Goliath. You see, when we when we sit with the Lord, then we begin to see our problems, our mountains, our issues, our crises, our our um, heartaches. We see them the way God sees them, and we see them from a perspective that's totally different. So, this invitation into intimacy is not an invitation to uh, decrease. It's not an invitation to say, oh, well, I can't do what I could have done because I've got to go sit with God. It's not like that, even though you can't do what you could have done because sitting with God is a sacrifice. But it's an invitation then to begin to see everything else the way he sees it. And then we can show up in in that place and operate from the power of God, the life of God he's given to us. That's so So good. good. So good. I, I love that this, this stone, it, I mean, if you don't have this intimacy with God, you're not going to have those other stones either. Oh, really. that's so true, Jackie. That's so true. I mean, this is, and, and I know some people equate intimacy with God, with their church attendance and what they do, mm. which is the mm-hmm. stronghold of religion. But that mm. would be like saying, well, you know, I minister together with my husband every Sunday. I mean, we do a lot of stuff side by side. I'm alongside him in public, in front of people at church. That's not being intimate with my husband. <laughs> and we're not intimate in front of all those people. Mm, I mean, you know, he might analogy. come up like he might come up and maybe uh, kiss me on the head or something as he, as he gets <laughs> to his seat, whatever, lean over and do that. Okay. That's, right. that's, that is intimate, obviously right. I can do that with just anybody, but true intimacy doesn't happen in, in the church mm. very often. Like there, there's times <laughs> when I, I mean, not with me and my husband, uh, whoa, yeah, yeah. Hey, <laughs> know what i'm saying right now um lord jesus and jackie okay anyway what i was i just switched back over to talking about the lord but it sounded like i was talking about my husband anyway 
like I can think of times at the altar when I've, you know, there's been a response to something that was said uh, through the word and I've responded at the altar and I've had an intimate moment with God right there in the church and there were people all around but it didn't feel like that okay so yeah yeah, that true that true intimacy can happen at church but my most intimate times with the lord are at home in private i'm by myself what i do at church on sunday i'm the pastor's wife using quotes it's my job to do the stuff i do i mean yes it's a ministry and and i I totally do it for the lord but it is my job there are days uh, and hopefully I'm not the only one this happened to when I get to church and everything I'm doing is not necessarily what I'm feeling in that moment. I'm doing it because it's my job. That would be religion. If I said, okay, yeah, I'm intimate with God because I do all these things. No, I'm intimate with God because of the time I spend with him by myself. Anyway, I've so messed up myself for what I just said about my husband. No, no, you didn't. No, that, you didn't. They understood ex- right. exactly what you were saying. Okay. I, I think I listened to this quote Diane, from Austin. I, I just listened to this. Oswald uh, Chambers quote, the measure of the worth of our public activity for God is the private profound communion we have with him. Oh, that's good. We have to pitch our tents where we shall always have quiet times with God. However, noisy our times with the world might be the measure of the worth of our public activity for God is the private profound communion we have with him. So so in That's other good. words, Jackie, we all knew it, what, what you were saying and your listeners get it, even though you were yes. stumbling over some of those words, because the reality is we need to begin to have a spirit to spirit community and, or excuse me, conversation with the father mm-hmm. in order to live from the inside out. And, yes. and, and, and. Leanne knows this about me. My big deal is to live spirit, soul, and body, not soul, Mm -hmm. body, spirit, but we live out of an overflow of our spirit, man. And that means that sometimes we've got to, uh, it appears where, uh, we're so busy. We can't, but if you're having intimacy with the father, you, you will have renewal on the run, but there needs to be times of rest. You can't, Mm. our flesh will give out. We have to spend time where, so that's not what we're talking about. Intimacy with God is not sitting down and not being active and not doing right. the things that God has called you to. We're talking about knowing who you are, that he is our Abba, first and foremost, being led by the spirit of God. These are the sons of God out of Romans eight fourteen through 16, and that we have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, remember that the spirit himself testifies that, that with our spirit, that we are children of God, that that comes when we began to embrace what that looks like and that we allow the spirit, that intimacy. And as, as Leanne has already said, not only does he already see us and reveal to us what he sees about us, but then we see him for who he is. First and foremost, Mm -hmm. our daddy, our perfect daddy, God that we know who we are and we know whose we are that in knowing who we are and whose we are, that we become like Galatians four, that we have the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, crying, Abba father. And we're not a slave to anything that the enemy would, would, would come at us. So David had spent all of those nights out on the field. I think sometimes what we get, caught up in in our world today is that success word of what our 
our ministry should look like, but we never know what God is preparing us for in moments of uh, clarification or moments of, of battle, like with Goliath on that, uh, on, in, on that day. But those nights, those many nights, as Leanne has already alluded to, of spending shepherding sheep where he's just sitting out there looking at the stars. Mm-hmm. He's falling asleep and dozing, but he's talking with the father. He's having times and moments, and when needed, he's protecting his flock. But a lot of times, a lot of nights, he's just communing with the father mm-hmm. and knowing who God is and knowing who he is to the father, to his heavenly father so i mean there's not a lot of things to do out there you know in the dark besides protecting your sheep and so when like leanne said when the enemy came up against his god he didn't have enough he didn't have the hindrances of the world because Mm -hmm. its intimacy was so massive (laughs) with who his god was so then he took a stand and he did it well but I think that Goliath could, could for us, could be so many lies that the enemy tells us. What about y'all? What do you think about that? Could it be a lie someone's telling us? What do you think, Leanne? Absolutely. To, to yeah, the, I think um, Goliath, Goliath could be. is the, the challenge to, to God in our lives. Goliath is, um, is when something happens that... Um, or, or a script in your head, you know, a thought comes to your head that is contrary to what God has said. Goliath mm-hmm. is the one who challenges who we are because that's what Goliath did. He, he showed up and he said, well, you all are just the armies of Saul. Goliath is the one who in, intimidates us by causing us to forget our connection to God. That was what Absolutely. they lacked intimacy with God. And so they believed the lie that they were merely um, men who served a king, a king that was also disconnected with God. And so there was disconnect mm-hmm. all around. And that's today, you know, that could happen by saying, oh, well, you're a member of such and such church and you're a follower of the pastor of that church. Well, you know, you are, and, and I'm sure you honor and love the leader. We hope you do. We're all pastor's wives and we want you to honor and love your, your pastor because that makes life more wonderful for us as well. But <laughs> But you're so much more than that. You are a you are a daughter of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You're a son of the Lord God Almighty. You are um, you're a warrior who is more than able to take down whatever the enemy chooses to send your way. And um, it's in that place of, of cultivating a, a real I call it a, a personal dynamic relationship with God. And by dynamic, I don't mean explosive. I mean, always impacting on a daily basis, like that kind of dynamic. It's a, it's an impacting life. And so I think a great um, thing that we could offer our, our listeners are to share with them how we ourselves um, entered into having what we would call an intimate relationship with God. Like, so how did y'all, uh, how did y'all do that? Can you remember when you were first mm-hmm. a believer and you just had the do's and don'ts, you had the, what you're supposed to do. How did you get from that to where you are now? Mm, that's a good question. Oh, I, I can totally speak to that because oh, good. I was so blessed. Um, I went to a Christian school. Um, so I had a foundation, 
um, I didn't go to church. Our family didn't go to church, but I went to, to, to a Christian school. So I had, the, I had knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was 13, a lady brought me into her home to help, uh, on a couple of days a week to help with her kids. She mm-hmm. was, she was, is an amazing woman of God. And I watched her have intimacy with the Lord in the, mm-hmm. in the conversations that we had about that in what I literally could watch her. She had this prayer journal. She's, I learned so much from her. She had this prayer journal that she would write in and she would write out her prayers. Um, and I've seen those prayers. They're beautiful. And I was like, this is what I want. I want it. The way she talked about the Lord was like, he's a real person. I mean, and I'm 13, 14 (laughs) years old in a home that God church was Christmas and Easter. Um, but she actually talked about God, like he was a real person. So she modeled intimacy with God for me. And that was life-changing. I mean, it's why I'm sitting here today doing what I'm doing. Wow. That's that's incredible. That's Mm -hmm. great, Jackie. Really incredible. She gave me a love for the word and for prayer. So anyway, what about you, Leanne? Well, um, I remember uh, coming to know the Lord. Of course, my family was very active in church, Jackie, and that's something I'm grateful for. Uh, and I see this, I, it was just normal to me then, but both my mom and my dad had a quiet time on a daily basis. And so I saw that modeled. I didn't know what was written in their books. You know, I didn't, I didn't go and peek, but I knew that they were having that time with the Lord. My dad tried to lead us in little family devotions at the dinner table. It didn't always turn out great, but he gave it a gallant (laughs) effort. And so I remember these things. And um, in my church where I grew up, we were taught it was really a church led thing that once you accept Jesus as your savior, that you should have a quiet time. Of course, I didn't have, and you're supposed to strive toward 15 minutes, which 15 minutes might as well have been three hours to me at you know 12 13 14 years old because and they and they said I don't even remember who they was but it had came from the church to open the bible and read a chapter and just look for a verse that you could make your verse today and so that was the beginning of my journaling I would open the bible I'd find a verse I'd put it on the paper I would write the verse on the paper and then I might write what I feel like that's saying to me And then my prayers, you know, I would try to pray. And then that would be five minutes of my 15 minutes. You know, I didn't know what else to do. But gradually just, I hate to say it this way, because we're saying that the antithesis of this stone is religion. However, I have to say that the discipline of showing up with that and just knowing it was the right thing to do with my head eventually led to the Holy Spirit connecting me to him during that time it was a real leap for me when I think I read a book that was like um somebody had written a book about children's uh prayers to God and then it actually had like God's responses to their prayers and reading that book helped me realize oh like it's not just me talking to him he talks to me too and I began to be bold enough to start jotting down what I felt like God was saying back to me. And that's when it started being a conversation. That's so. incredible. That really is yeah. incredible. So yeah. I did not come up in, we, in, in church at all. And we were taught um, as, and I was doing a little 
math a while back, just a recent while back that I was dealing with when did mom, my mom really truly come to know the Lord. And when I was nine, uh, part of my story is we live so far out in the country. I, I rode a, an hour to a school bus an hour in. Wow. Um, uh, we were in deep West Texas and our, our closest grocery store of any substance was about 40 minutes from us. And um, and so um, I didn't, I was alone a lot on this farm that in a very dysfunctional situation and uh, the little vacation Bible school and invitation came and it was a church that was about 30 minutes from us. And I remember my mom saying, now they're going to want you to go forward. They're going to want you to come up front. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> And I know that was a time it. of conviction of the Lord, but somebody stuck a King James Bible in my hand, said, now you're a Christian, but that wasn't the case. And I was under great conviction, but I didn't have any kind of counseling or discipleship or follow-up for the understanding of what I was doing. They did the best they could. It wasn't that they were doing anything immoral or even unethical. They just, we just didn't do a great job of follow-up. And I was baptized, and I think my mom truly was born again during during that those days hmm. uh, when I, um, because that wasn't the church that she wanted to go to. Um, and so on my journey, I did a lot. There was a lot of dysfunction, a lot of addiction in my family, and a lot of a lot of stuff. So when I really truly came to know the Lord about twenty years old, there was a lot of baggage. And for me, intimacy with the Lord was from the onset was it went something like this. I can't live this way anymore. If you're real, you're going to have to show me. And he did. Um, wow. He sent a woman into me the, the very day that I prayed that prayer. Um, he sent a woman into the place where I was working that had told me, that she was praying for me and she'd been praying for me for 30 days by name. Well, I'd never in my life at 20 years old or 19 at the time, I was about to turn 20, never in my life had had anyone tell me they'd been praying for me. Wow. And she said today, the Lord told me today was the day of your salvation and that you were going to need a place to live. So my intimacy with the Lord was like jump started in that, that God heard that prayer and in a dramatic fashion not only heard that prayer but it was when I was desperate but not only desperate I was serious about what I was praying I think sometimes even in our prayer times we can get kind of religious you know we're not real we don't mm -hmm. either it's half-hearted or um, God is orchestrating a multitude of events to get us desperate enough to be emptied of ourself enough to really cry out to him, even as believers, sometimes there've been many moments of kickstarting of intimacy with me, each one of them, a different level of intimacy with me, uh, where at one point someone said to me, you're a princess, you're adopted, read the verses I just read to you a few minutes ago out of uh, Romans and out of Galatians on us being adopted. And that means, well, wow, I'm, 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 I'm a princess. So in that moment of just getting up, coming into that place of having a quiet time every day, spending time in the word, God began to speak to me. 
and say, you are a princess. That's beautiful. Now let me show you some other things. Yeah. And he began a conversation through his word. And this is very controversial for some people, but through vision and God has always spoken to me through vision and dreams. And if they, if they don't align with his word, then I hold them very loosely. But if they align with his word, then I say, all right, Lord, then show me what this means. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he's been faithful to do that in my walk with him over the years. He's been faithful mm-hmm. to do that. And I think that a fee, uh, Hebrews speaks to Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two edged swords piercing to the, to the division of soul and of spirits of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And the journey of intimacy has been for me learning how to live in my spirit, man, that first and foremost, I'm a spirit and that uh, now I'm not teaching Mormon theology, like we're little Mormons float spirits floating around in heaven, then boom, we get a body. I'm not, I'm not teaching that. And I don't believe in that, but I do believe that in my own journey, what, what has happened is God has began to heal my spirit, speak and infuse my spirit with him and with his Holy spirit. Um, and then I'm empowered in my intimacy with him to live and control my flesh out of that, my mind, my will, and my emotions out of my soul. And Mm -hmm. then I began to just walk in what Preston, my husband and I call my dominion, the dominion that God has given me that he's given he and the Lord, he and his son gave us on earth dominion uh, Mm -hmm. through him because of what Jesus did. And so then as we walk in our dominion, which is what really David did out of his intimacy, he walked in his dominion, despite what was hurled at him, despite what his brother said about him, despite someone Saul trying to put on an armor that would not fit him. He just slung off everything that wasn't from him, wasn't from the Lord and what the outside tried to define him to be, or to even word curse him, which is what his brothers did out of jealousy. And just as, as you're the little brother, who do you think you are? And for me, my journey has been about learning how to stay in the lane that God has called me to and to really know who I am and whose I am and then feed not just my flesh, but ask him to feed my spirit, man. Like really praying, Lord, I need you to speak to my spirit. Speak to my spirit. Let me hear who I am to you. Let me get through all the clutter because the soul can kind of mess me up sometimes. My flesh gets in the way. But if I really need to hear from him, I, I say things like that. Lord, teach me who you say I am. Teach me about who you are. And let me slay the Goliath, like identifying the stinking thinking of my life. And a prayer mentor of mine years ago said, if you clean out the garbage, the rats don't come back. Mm, that's good so if i clean out anything that blocks my intimacy with the father and i i think when i shared a while ago just what my posture for the summer is that's what my friend is challenging me to do i can clean out anything that is keeping you from just hearing from the lord from the god of creation from your abba from the one who's loved you from the very beginning who loves you no matter what and just be in his presence. Do whatever he tells you to do. Hmm. That's good. 
good. So good. I think about, I keep thinking about Martha and Mary, you know, we love them. Mm -hmm. We love those girls, but how Martha was just um, busy and it, what she was doing was not bad. She was serving mm -hmm. the Lord and his disciples. Like she was um, getting dinner ready. She had, there were so many things that had to be done, but she was so busy and so distracted by working for Jesus. We're looking, working for the Lord that she missed what Mary gained. And Mary knew that those moments with him in her home. And when he was sitting there pouring himself out, that the absolute best use of her time and the best posture she could take Diane was to sit at his feet. And, you know, I always cringe when I hear Martha um, going to Jesus, well, tell her to help me. You know, I just, I feel I'm such a Martha. And then to how humiliating it must have been for Jesus to write there say, no, Martha, I'm not going to do that because Mary has chosen what is better. And he would have never humiliated her in that way had it not been so important, driven by his compassion for her for her to hear him say that and to know that. And, you know, I, don't, I wonder what Martha did. We don't know, but I wonder if she just set it all down and just sat right down and just started listening the rest of the night, you know, and maybe she did. Yeah, we don't know what she did, but I think that the, the picture for us could be that if you see them, and I love that story as well, because if you see them, that Jesus waited those, how many days, three days before he came. And so, uh, to Lazarus yeah. and, and, after and he died. Yeah. after he died. And when Martha goes out to meet Jesus on the road, when Jesus is coming with his disciples, she says, where have you been? He's <laughs> <laughs> pretty salty in that story. Do you that not know salty. that my brother has died and you could have taken care of this? Basically telling the Lord, yeah like what he already knows. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, then, then she turns around and, and the Lord answers her and it's just slipping my mind right now, but it was profound what the Lord said. She didn't even get it because she was so busy about taking care mm. of all the things. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. she flips around and turns back in the Lord. We're not told in scripture that Jesus said, where's Mary? Go tell Mary, I want to speak to her. But the very first words that we hear when Martha comes into back home and comes beating it back home before Jesus even gets there, she says, Jesus wants to see you. Mm -hmm. Getting oh, in yeah. out, of, out of order. I mean, she, so Mary comes and, and I love this because in the Greek, it's the very same verbiage but a different posture. And I think that's his key for our intimacy. Mary throws herself at the feet of her Lord. Mm, that's good. And yeah. she says, Lord, where have you been? So I think for us today, what we can remember about intimacy, it's not that we don't have the hard conversations with the Lord. It's not that we don't have a wrestling match or that we're a Martha or a Mary, but it's the posture of our heart that's mm. good that's beautiful and so very very important for us to see because it moved the heart of our savior when mary was at his feet where have you been lord mm. if you had been here my brother would not have died mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whoa 
for me that always moves me about Martha and Mary because we need yeah. Marthas and Marys. I'm a Martha. I yeah. but sometimes guys, intimacy is not about being just like sitting in my couch corner here where I've kind of developed my little quiet time, my new apartment, uh, my place, my intimacy seat. But sometimes it's in the midst of me doing things like unpacking everything that I brought home from a recent trip that was a convention type sit situation where I was in charge of much in ministry, but I'm unpacking that and I'm worshiping him and I'm praising him for those mm. things. It's a posture of our heart. That's good. Right. It's not so much what you're doing as it is what your heart is. Yeah. I love that. How your heart is connecting to that. Right. Because Another I think thing, we can go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Go well, ahead. No, I was, I, um, as you were saying that, I don't know why it came to my mind during that time, but when we're in the midst of our battles and if we're not like David can't take the giant down in a day, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, we're pelting him with stones and it's day after day after day. But in those times, the intimacy mm. comes for me when I don't see God's hand at work. It's sometimes during that season that he's inviting me just to see his face. And totally. it's when the hand is not working that I really camp out on who God is and who he promises to be. And even when he's not delivering my answer, he's delivering himself and he's strengthening oh. me and he's holding me and he is reminding me and he's um, rooting me like he's doing all those things, even when he's not rescuing me. And it's sometimes during that season that his hand is not responding, that the intimacy grows deep. And so I don't necessarily invite that season. <laughs> I'm always wanting the hand to respond, but I am learning to value that season and not to rush it, to recognize that God knows. The God who can do all things knows when to do them. And I can trust him in that. Mm. So good. Yeah. What you think, Jack? Stuff. I'm just kind of blown away by <laughs> this whole. I mean, this is like Me I knew too. this was going to be good. good, but this, this is, is so good. much better than I thought it was going to be. Wow. Um, so well, good. I think that in those times that you were speaking of, uh, I think in an Oswald, another Oswald Chambers quote comes to my mind. And that is that every element of our own self-reliance must be put to death by the power of God. The moment we recognize our complete weakness and our dependence upon him will be the very moment that the spirit of God will exhibit his power. Mm. Wow. And I think That's good. that is so important for us to realize that in those moments that you were just speaking of, Leanne, that, that it's sometimes all we can do sometimes we get a gut punch and yeah. walking out and living out our lives for the Lord and the spiritual warfare is so intense and it's because of a conversation in heaven as we've seen in Job uh, when the sons of God were walking around one day they all come into the courtroom of heaven and and God says to the enemy to Satan have you considered my servant Job yeah. And he puts perimeters around the enemy, but sometimes it's because I, I, you've said it in your book, Leanne, that sometimes 
living out this faith life means that based on our intimacy, our trust in him, things are going to be intense because the rest of the waking world needs to see how a person living for the Lord and trusting him and what we know of him, we really live out before a waking lost world and those that are maybe not as mature as they need to be. And we won't know that. And we shouldn't know that we shouldn't be like strutting around like peacocks on that, but we are really understanding. We don't even understand it and we can't take another breath, but I think that's where Galatians three or excuse me, Colossians three comes in where if you've been raised up with Christ, we keep seeking the things above and we're where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And we set our mind on the things above, not on the things that are on this earth for mm -hmm. we've died. And my life is hidden with Christ, with God. And when Christ who is our life is revealed, then we will also be revealed with him in glory. So true intimacy means that we're living such a life that of trust that we say, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know when this is going to work out. I don't know how much hurt and hardship it is, but I purpose myself to trust you, Father, and to grow in my intimacy with you. And like you said, show me your face. Mm -hmm. Show me who you are through this moment, through this season. Mm -hmm. Help me have God glimpses of who you are during the moment. Let me capture, make my eyes aware, make me spiritually aware to see that in the midst of all of this, you're at work when I don't understand it. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I definitely think uh, your level of trust, um, your intimacy with God, those are so interconnected. I mean, oh, that's good. Because people see my husband do things. They have no idea why he's doing the thing he's doing at church or whatever he's doing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, why is he doing it this way? Well, I know because I've spent mm -hmm. so much time with my husband and talking with him about this. There's an in intimacy there between me and my husband that isn't there between the person sitting back on the fourth row of, of the church. And they're like, why, why are we doing it this way? Well, it's way more when it comes to our relationship with God, when we're so intimate with him, we either know what he's doing because we're intimate with him or we know him so well and that our trust has, we have such a high level of trust when there's an intimacy there. Absolutely. So that's, that's, that's one right. great reason that's to have right. intimacy with God right there, because one of yes. the biggest things that people struggle with is trusting God when they don't understand. But if you, right. you just understand who God is, it yes. doesn't matter what he's doing. Cause you know, that his yeah, word yeah. is true and it's going to all work out for your good in his glory every time. Amen, sister. That's good. That's good. Make Amen. Sense. That's really, really good. So and good. going back to just some practical things that we can do through first Thessalonians 5, 16, I think it rejoice always Yeah, that's pray good. without ceasing and yeah. everything. Give thanks for this is God's yeah. will for you in Christ Jesus. Not that everything is God's will. Don't miss that. Cause sometimes what we have, mm -hmm. Uh, interpreted that mean that everything is God's will. No, that's not what it's saying. What it's saying is that it is God's will that you rejoice always, that you pray without mm -hmm. ceasing, and that in everything we give thanks. That in the midst of hardships, in the midst where we don't understand, we're developing that stone of intimacy because we're rejoicing always. I've got a friend of mine in accountability where I, I early on I would call her and I'd just be going like this. Wow. 
<laughs> throwing up everything that was happening, just processing everything out loud. And there would be times that she would just say, whoa, 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 wait, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. You need to get your praise on girl. Mm-hmm. What? The first time she said that to me, I went, what difference is that going to make? No, you need to get your praise on. And I, and I asked her, I said, I don't understand that. I don't understand. Early on in my walk, she would say, get your praise on Diane. That means get on your favorite praise music, get fill your head with the things of praise for the Lord and who he is. Put on your favorite praise music, have a dance party with Jesus, do everything you need to do and celebrate and rejoice in him, not in the situation in him. That's Hmm. good. That's good. And then pray through it all. Well, time and time, I I wish I could say that it wasn't true, but time after time, after time, every time I do that, there is a, there's a lifting of my spirit. Mm -hmm. Oppression sometimes will just leave me because I'm praising the one (laughs) who is ultimately the victor and I'm with him. So I'm victorious. Now my circumstances may have not changed, right? But my perspective has yeah. changed. Yeah. And I began to have keep seeking the things above perspective. Now I'm not right. walking around, praise Jesus. I'm losing my arm today. <laughs> praise Jesus, I have cancer. But we are saying, praise the Lord that in the midst of this difficulty, I have the stone of intimacy with the one who will carry me through. That's right. That's right. And in that way, you're rising up on wings as eagles. You're, you're rising above and mm-hmm. you're just soaring with him. That's what intimacy mm-hmm. with God will do. That's what that it will is do. That's exactly it. So Great. Leanne, why don't you um, uh, take us out with a story that you ended with in uh, your book. This, so we yeah. want you to share that, don't we, Jackie? Okay. We want her to share the Absolutely. Absolutely. So good. I will. I actually brought the little storybook with me and it's not my story. It's Max Lucado's and Max Lucado is amazing. And it's a children's um, story called the song of the King. And it's a story that really just illustrates the power of intimacy with God. And so basically in a nutshell, this King has three knights and they are his most mighty warriors and each of them want to marry his daughter. So he comes up with a contest to see which one is worthy to be the one who gets to marry the princess. And so each of the knights has different um, abilities. Like one is very, very strong. One is very, very fast. And then one is very discerning. And um, this contest, the prince, the king's son explains to the three knights that his father has come up with a contest and here's what the contest is. They have to go through the hemlock forest in order to travel from where they are to get to the castle where the king is and they well all three even though they've been to war many times and they're great gallant warriors they're terrified of the hemlock forest because 
the hemlock forest is full of these creatures called the hope knots and the hope knots they don't really know what they are but all they know is that they're they're fierce and people do not make it out of the hemlock forest because of the attack of the hope knots and so each knight is terrified and he asked the they each asked the prince well um do we one of them says do we have to travel alone and the prince says no each of you can choose a traveling companion one person can go with you and so each prince chooses their traveling companion and they take off into the oh wait i forgot to tell you this most important part the song of the king so one of the knights says the very um the forest is dark and it's deep and it's very hard to find your way you get lost in there so how will we ever be able to find our way and the prince pulls out a flute and he plays a song on his flute and he says only the king has the same flute and he will play this exact song morning noon and night and so just go where you hear the music and so the prince plays the song for them so they will know it and then he tells them this is the way they'll know so each of them um choose their companion and they take off in the forest well many 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 weeks later the king goes out in his castle he plays the song morning noon and night the people all stop to listen and the and the everyone's watching the forest to see when the the night will come out and finally after many weeks one night makes it out they don't have horses they don't have weapons they don't, they're they're beat up and they're ragged but the knight and his companion come out where well, the king throws a big banquet and all the people are excited and at the at the banquet in enters the knight who actually made it out of the hemlock forest the one that's going to win the winner of the contest and this knight begins to talk about all of the horrible things that happened how the hope not stole their horses and and beat them up and took their weapons and all of these things and they said he said but the worst was that every time the king played his song the hope knots began to play their music they had learned to mimic the song of the king and so the people were like how did you how did you overcome that how did you find your way out if there were all those imposters and the song was being played over and over and he said because i chose my traveling companion well and at that point the traveling companion enters in and he reveals himself and he is the crown prince who also has the same flute and knows the same song and so they explained that every single day when the king was not playing his song the night had the prince play the song so that he could memorize it well so that he knew every single note so that he could be connected to the true song of the king and that was how he was able to make it out of the hemlock forest and and overcome all of the um, songs that had been the imposter and and what i love about this story is that the whole message of it is that we will know the voice of the Lord if we are traveling closely connected with Jesus. The scripture does say that we're seated in the heavenlies with Christ. And the, and the more we nestle in close to him, the more we'll be able to rise against all of the lies and the deception and the um, trickery and the craftiness and the cleverness of the enemy that tries to get us out of kilter and to doubt that God is genuine. He's true. He's able. He will. All of those things the enemy tries to get us to forget, we can overcome through our connection with God, through intimacy with him. So when we can discern the true song of the king, we'll be able to make it amongst the hope knots. <laughs> I love that story. So a great good. story. 
It's a great story. Thank you, Max Lakato, for your beautiful story. <laughs> Such a good story. Oh, good. So good. Well, Jackie, will you take us out today? Absolutely. Father, we're quite an army, the few of us, and we're women at that. Steel magnolias. We don't feel like we're so strong, but we do love you. And we sense a strong calling to your purpose and your plan. You alone are God, and we place our hope in you. Today, we recommit ourselves to a deep, personal, intimate relationship with you. We need you, Lord, more than we can even know. Father, we want to continue to be armed and dangerous. We want to put the enemy on the run and take every giant down so that the world will know who you are and that you are God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 What a great time we've had today. Yeah, sweet time. Yes. I think this is my favorite episode, but I think I've said that every time. So anyway, <laughs> but we got, we've got one more. We're going we're gonna to wrap it up next week with one last episode in this amazing summer series. See you later. All right. Bye. Have a great week, everyone. I trust you enjoyed our conversation about the fifth stone that God's given us so that we can be armed and dangerous. And that stone being our intimacy with God. I just encourage you to continue to cultivate your intimate relationship with God by um, taking full advantage of His invitation to come aside and spend some time with Him on a daily basis in that secret place. Um, I wanted to share with you that we just finished another great webinar where we unpacked all that's involved in becoming a prayer clinic church and opening a prayer clinic ministry. I'll be doing another webinar to unpack the prayer clinic ministry on Thursday, August the 19th at noon. And I'd love to invite you to uh, join us for that so that you can learn more about the prayer clinic ministry. Just go to prayerclinic.com to register for that webinar. I also wanted to share with you that this fall is the perfect time to get the ball rolling on teaching your people how to pray with the course that I've written called Teach My Heart to Pray. It's a four session course that has video of me teaching. So it's kind of a plug and play sort of course that you can offer to the people at your church. And it's also a part of how you recruit your team so that prayer ministry at your church can begin to be just a vibrant and dynamic ministry. So um, come on over to prayerclinic.com Register for the webinar coming up on August 19. Get in on all of the coaching that's going to happen this fall. And um, I look forward to seeing you next week as we conclude this summer series on Five Smooth Stones.